So, Dusty, how'd your FanDuel do this week? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, <laughs> that good, huh? You know, sometimes when you're hot, you're hot, and when you're not, you're not. This has just been one of those weeks I'm like, I probably overbet on some. And when I say overbet, I mean like $3 overbet, you know. But, yeah, let's just say I'm going to have to ask the wife for that $70 back. <laughs> wow. I just said, yeah, I, I lost like 20 bucks this week. Dang, Dusty. It's a stupid NFL stuff. Like, that's just it's hard. I know. My team, Devontae Freeman, jacked me up. Could have used a little run from him. Had to go off and get a concussion in the first quarter. Yeah. Holy. Yeah, that that hurt me. You should see my team right now. It's looking pretty good. Well, painful. my season-long fantasy team, it's, it's doing fine. Like, I'm, I have, right. like, a replica WWE belt. And I'm getting ready to make another video of how I'm the champion and just send me your money. Because I'm in first place in uh, one of those leagues and second place in another league. So it's just uh, those daily fantasy things, you know, like it's just so much, so much changing I do on my roster. And then it doesn't even matter. What about that league that you and I are in together that nobody pays attention to? I don't know. I like that league because no, there's no money in it, though. So I kind of right. don't pay much attention to it. So um, we'll race real quick, and we'll see who's faster. Well, I'm three and twelve, or I'm third place. So Dusty, you're three and twelve, and in what? third place. No, I'm third place. I'm seven and three in third of twelve people. Okay, I'm second of twelve. I'm seven and three too. So I just have you in points. Yeah, but who has who in the matchup? That's all that matters. Okay, Andrew beat me by, like, one, one point. point. Hey, I still beat you, though. That's what matters. And you know what? I'm going to win again this week. It's pretty much a done deal unless Tom Brady goes crazy. Let's see. How many points? You have 1,080 points. I have 1,042 points. You do have more points against, though. 100 more points against. Yeah, it means people bring their A game when they... I mean, Tom Brady probably like checks my fantasy team, be like, "Man, I got to bring my A game. I'm up against D Dog, and he's easy." Actually, <laughs> uh, my name in most of my league is leagues are the is the Perricanes. Yeah, and what's it, in this one? Oh, it's American Beer Belly. <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to CrossFit now. I'm trying to get that worked on. Now, uh, is it working? Well, I mean, I'm leaner. I'm just still fat. I can lift heavier stuff though. Yeah, well that's good. Alright, what's on the what's on the agenda today, Andrew? Alright, today I- we're talking about a sermon. I kinda didn't read, so I mean I skimmed it. Right. But, you know, just like I did in my pastor days, I'll just wing it. Hey, um Hello. tell us tell us something new. Something new? Yeah, because you don't ever read, do you? Oh, burn. <laughs> Today, we're talking about the sermon. Today, what we're going to do is, since we're giving a sermon, um, we are collecting tithes and offerings after the podcast today. So you can go ahead and get that ready. Try get make those checks payable to Dusty and Andrew or Bible Belt Bros. I like how you put my name first so I can cash it. 
Yes. No, because you notice I said Dusty and Andrew means it has to have both signatures. We're going to change up style. Normally we go section by section, and it and it's just kind of it's usually somebody else's section on how they contributed to the change, whatever it is that that week that we're talking about. This week is the sermon. We're not really going to do that. We're just going to kind of talk about the sermon. Uh, kind of talk about what it's what it's like today uh before we get started though andrew i'd like to give a shout out to my friend brad he uh, shot us a message so hate mail on facebook and it's actually really encouraging mail and uh did you call it hate mail <laughs> you know it, it but it was the opposite of hate it was really encouraging we thank you brad for your support uh give us any ideas of how to make it better we'd love to do it so anyways we're, that's what we're going to do today we're just going to kind of do a little chit chat Let's get this party started. Do you need a Slurpee? Get some Mike's Hot Lemonade. Black Lemon Cherry. Black Cherry Lemonade. So, note to self, do not let Dusty have Mike's Hard Lemonade before <laughs> the show. The chapter is titled, The Sermon, Protestantism's Most Sacred Cow. I didn't even know that was a word. Protestantisms? I guess if you add ism after anything, you make it a new word. Yeah. What did I say? Churchism? No. Are you... I said a word. I've heard you say a lot of words. Uh, churching. That's what I said. Oh, yeah. Churching. That has nothing to do with what you just said. So let's. <laughs> but I do remember you saying that. Kind of what I've figured out with reading this book, and that's kind of why we're changing up the style of how we do this, is everything that the book covers comes from a pagan culture. We don't need to ask every week or explain every week how it comes from a pagan culture. We get it already. Right. It's a pagan thing. Let's talk about it and how we deal with it today, or how we see it and how we use it. And do we think that it's being done right? Today, it's kind of the same everywhere you go. It doesn't matter if you go to a mega church or if you go to a little uh, country church. The sermon is usually going to be the same. It's Well, the same structure. Same structure, right. It's either going to be like a topical sermon mm-hmm. or a relational sermon. What other Preach- t- what type of uh, sermons are there? Other types. There's a, what is that called when they go verse by verse? Like you can do like a 24 week study on the mm. Sermon on the Mount starting next Sunday. Don't forget to bring a friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's that that style. There's the, uh, um, well, what's your favorite style? Well, what? What bothers me, I guess, and what I just am tired of is the preacher voice. You know, like we're talking to each other right now. Right. With our own voice. And if I was to talk to any preacher, if we had them on a show right now, they would talk to us in this kind of tone, I guess. But and what God wants for you today, brothers and sisters, is to join his family, the family of God. Should I see that hand? Okay, it works. That's a little extreme, but <laughs> That was a TV Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> yes, but but you know what I mean. Like right. they they speak. They're using and when I I was a youth, uh, associate youth pastor and I used to have to write sermons, which was like the worst part of my job. Okay? I agree. I had to do that as well. Well, in in like because I am not like even now like I'm holding my breath. I'm gonna have to take a pause here in a second just so I don't pass out because I just am not a great public speaker. At least I don't think so. And people will be like, oh, you, that was a great sermon. And I'm like, yeah, Francis Chan does that better. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, like Craig Rochelle, like he can. I don't know why you're listening to me at this point. Other than 
this is where you normally go to church and right and i think they're just being encouraging and i really do right. think i mean god spoke through me or used my words to to speak to people's hearts but so you're definitely not a sophist that what's a sophist a sophist <laughs> so the sophists were the most distinguished men of their time definitely not me no but essentially what they were is they were um, very good with words and in front of crowds and in front of people. So essentially, they're the uh, like Porsche sales car salesmen. You know, they're good at what they do. And they use their emotion response and stuff like that, like trying to speak to you, right? So like a pastor, pretty much. Well, I remember when I was having to write sermons. Like uh, I would spend hours, like going through just my pauses, you know, going through my inflections of when I'm going to get loud, when I'm going to get soft, and going through how that would sound live in in order to try to draw an emotional response, you know, and in order to try to draw people into what I was saying. And that just drives me crazy even then, you know, but now it just, you know, the best preachers that I listen to are the ones that feel like I'm they're just talking to me. You know, they're just talking right. Having a Naturally. conversation. Yeah, they're just having a conversation. And why does it have to be so, like, you know. You just, know, I've done a lot of speech classes. For some reason, that's prerequisite. You have to learn how to talk in front of people. Anyways, that's one of the main things that they tell you is just act like you're having a conversation with somebody. Don't direct it at them. Just speak with Don't them. Don't be preaching over people. Yeah. Like, Just speak with them. That's it. Kind of like what you and I are doing. You know, we're making eye contact. We're talking. I mean, it's kind of uh, kind of awkward how much eye contact we're making right now. <laughs> Let's just stop making those googly eyes, Dusty. <laughs> They're just my eyes. It's just something in them. i got to blink my eyes back and forth. While reapplying your mascara. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your favorite sermon that you've uh, given? My my favorite sermon? Actually, let's go with this one. What was your most memorable? Oh, shoot. My most memorable one was probably my first sermon I ever did. Like, I had planned, you know, put good two days into writing, you know, and finding those perfect, you know, um, video illustrations. Because I was in youth ministry, you have to have a video illustration. And I uh, was playing about 25, 30-minute sermon. And... Uh, Man, when I got up there, the video illustration was actually longer than when I spoke. Like it was, it was probably a like ten to fifteen minute sermon altogether. Like I just like all the way through it, and those kind of people probably thought I was speaking in tongues. I was going so fast, and uh, yeah, it was so embarrassing. It was like, all right, it, it you know, I got up to speak at seven fifteen. I'm like, all right, it's seven twenty eight. Let's uh, let's sing another song. You know, <laughs> like. Let's fill this time. And were you playing that night also? Because I know at that point you were singing. Yeah, I was singing, and and that was part of my my nervousnessness was uh, nervousnessness <laughs> is because uh, I was playing and leading worship, and so then I had like two seconds to like get the guitar down, find my notes, and try to find where I was, um, what I was gonna say. You know, trying to remind myself I've just been playing twenty minutes of music. Trying to figure out what was I gonna say again for thirty minutes. 
It's a lot like your dad's first sermon. Like your dad's first sermon was pretty. I mean, I even thought it was comical being in the. It was. It was very comical. He was very nervous. My dad's a redhead, so. Oh yeah, he's a fiery. You can imagine how red he turned that night. (laughs) He was. He. He temporarily went blind. Yeah, he said that he literally went blind. Like he was like, I was preaching, and I just everything was blurry. Like you yep. can, he said it started kind of like the movies. It started on the edges, and the blackness just covered up and everything. I I know I remember when he would uh he would preach sermons, I and mean, it would be like this is like even like a year later. Like he would actually preach somebody else's sermon, which is you know fine, but he would right. tell like their stories word for word, like he was actually there. <laughs> and it was like he's like I'm gonna tell you this story, and it wasn't me; it was somebody else. But I just don't have any better way to explain the story, so just pretend like it was me. <laughs> was so I'm going to say me, but it wasn't me. Is it what I did? I took that exact same <laughs> method where I would just like listen to somebody else's sermon on a topic and really just – if I really liked that sermon, I really thought it was well done, I would – Preach it. Yeah, preach it to the best of my ability. So I've always struggled with that, like – you know, to be a good youth pastor, for instance, you have to be able to play guitar. You know, that's what most churches are looking for, somebody that can play guitar to be in a, a youth pastor. And you're also judged on your public speaking ability. You know, I've gone and and uh, interviewed for a couple churches, not very many, but – and that was the, the two things. Like I had to lead worship for them, and then I had to preach a sermon for them, and they kind of judged me based on that ability, really. Right. And – um yeah, because for some reason, every church likes to group those two positions together. Yeah, I think it's just a money-saving thing because they're like, man, we need a worship leader and a youth pastor. Let's just make that the same person and give them double the job responsibilities. Yeah, but one of them's going to suffer. Yeah, one of them's going to suffer. And so um, because the music that they play in youth ministry, they don't want them to play in the Sunday ministry. Right. And so, so they had to do totally different so- song sets. Well, now it's actually getting reverse anymore. Right. The stuff we play on Sundays, we don't necessarily want being played on Wednesdays. Well, I have been out of youth ministry for a while. So, so I might actually. Um, I can't. Attest to that? Yeah, attest to that. The only reason I would say that is true is I've played for a couple churches, and it is like the talent level is not necessarily there. So you right. can't. Because music nowadays is not It's not just four chords in the you know, four four beat. There's there's a lot more to it, um, and you can't just get away with your four chords and not practicing. Now let's move on to your favorite sermon. Oh, my favorite sermon that you gave. That oh, that I gave. I don't even know if there's a favorite sermon that I gave. The Christian answer would be the the ones that people came to Jesus. <laughs> Was that your preacher voice? No. <laughs> But I mean, obviously, those are good ones. It's usually like the worst sermon I gave. the The worse off my sermon was, the better off the response was. Right. Um. And I'd like to say that was God, and it probably was. But I'd like to say it. Well, then say it. <laughs> <laughs> it was but, God. Well, I was just trying to say it, like, because you know, you you kind of use that excuse as a Christian person, also that kinda like I, a crutch. Yeah, as a crutch, that's the better terminology. But as far as like, you know, I don't practice, I don't rehearse, I don't, I don't work hard to make this good, and so 
we're just going to lean on the Lord today. You know, and I don't know, sometimes I'm like, is that just, that's just a crutch. And that drives me crazy. Drives me crazy also. Dusty is bothered by that. But my first, my probably my favorite sermon that I remember growing up um, is not like the good ones. You know, like they're the ones that things go wrong in. Like I had a youth pastor and uh, he he was preaching, you know, he was so mad. and I don't even know what he was preaching about, you know, because that really doesn't matter. It was right. what happened. And he like, he hit his podium like boom and his notes just went flying everywhere and the podium actually like broke in half like the top half fell off there's a wooden podium and he just kind of like gave it like a little look and kind of like yeah i broke that <laughs> you know and just kept preaching like i remember everybody was like oh my god we're gonna die you know like we're totally in trouble for all of our sins so you came for a wednesday night service and you got a power team show <laughs> exactly we got a power team show and that was that's probably one that's just, you know, stuck in my mind forever. It's just funny. I know that we're, you know, changing up the style and all this, but I think we still need to talk about the book a little dusty. Okay. So, great job with your uh, sermon stories. I'm sure I'll have some more later. I do remember I was at work at AT&T, which actually all tell at that time. And, uh, you text me, you're like, hey, I'm doing my first sermon. And I was like, oh, hey, I'm going to try and be there. Yeah, I don't think you didn't I, show. I didn't. Do you remember me like, hey, you remember you preached a sermon one time? Can I have a copy of that? I do remember <laughs> that too. Yes. I've done that before. Yes. So the sermon, it's like clockwork. Every Sunday, same thing happens. Pastor steps up onto the pulpit, or steps up to the pulpit. In front of a, an audience, a, a very passive audience, who's just there to listen. Very, you know, not like the early church where they all There's no discussion. Right, there's no discussion. They're just, yeah, we're just sitting they're, and listening and, and taking it, taking his word for truth, which is kind of... Stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I was going to say more like, it's just funny, you know, because... All these churches have pastors that are hearing from the Lord, you know, are supposed to, their job is to be in tune with God, basically. Right. And and they're giving these sermons based in really they're giving sermons interpreting God's word for us and how it applies to our lives. Yet there's so many different interpretations of that word. It just drives me like bananas. B A N A N A S. Yes, it drives me bananas. Like, it's just... Were you a cheerleader, Dusty? (laughs) I went to school with you, but did you have this hidden talent? No, but you know, that probably would have been a good idea to be a cheerleader. I would have probably had to hit it better with the ladies in high school. (laughs) I was kind of a nerd with my bowl cut and everything going on. I can attest to that. Uh, It was cool when the Backstreet Boys were were out there, but once they kind of died off... I probably should have cut my hair. Right. So, as I was saying, the pastor steps up to his pulpit to deliver this inspirational talk to everyone. It's the same thing every Sunday. And so, where did this come from? And that's what this chapter 
talks to us about. Well, and I always, I had heard that it came from the Enlightenment period where education was the cornerstone of our culture. And so we replaced the five-minute spiritual readings with 45-minute lectures like they do in college. But this that's really not what this book, it, it went to a Greek thing, right? Right, a Roman Greek thing. Actually, what, it first, what this book first talks about, I believe, uh, what it first set talks about is it actually came from the Old Testament where God preached and taught, or men of God preached and taught. Uh, but it didn't, it wasn't necessarily a sermon. And then when it's Jesus. It's more like a scriptural reading and interpretation. Right. Okay. And then when Jesus came, again, he didn't preach a regular sermon. He did preach, but not to the same audience. Well, it wasn't to the same audience. It wasn't at the same time every week. It wasn't at the same place every week. It was actually, you know, normally multiple times a day. Right. He was an evangelist. And that's there's a difference right. between an evangelist and a preacher. Right. You know, the apostles, their uh, acts shows us that the preaching was sporadic. It was delivered on special occasions in order to deal with specific problems, uh, stuff like that. And it was uh, more of a dialogue, not a monologue. Right. Then the next next section is where it tells us that it came from uh, the Greek culture. And, of course... It was, Those Greeks like messed everything up right. in the church. They were pagans. <laughs> <laughs> Them pagan people. Yeah, so it was taken from the Greek culture. It doesn't exactly say how it was taken from the Greek culture, though. It just says it was taken from a pool of Greek culture. And then the book goes on to talk about, in the 5th century, uh, there were these wandering teachers, and they were called sophists. And really, they were just, they're accredited for inventing rhetoric, which is persuasive speaking. Right, using car salesman. Emotion, emotional responses. I wonder if they had video illustrations back then. I bet they did not. They probably had like fire and hieroglyphics. Yeah. The haze, haze the Lord. Now, when I was reading this, I kind of thought of myself as a sophist. You do speak a bunch of bullcrap. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. Because sophists were expert debaters, masters at using emotional appeal, physical appearance. Definitely I have that. So Andrew is a master debater. He, uh, he, loves, to, <laughs> he, he loves to argue like about anything. Like that's Andrew's. I do not. That's like Andrew's like worst characteristic. I think is he will do something just because you tell him not to, and he will argue his way into saying why it's right. That's right. And I will get you to agree with me. I don't know if he'll necessarily get you to me to agree with you, but you'll get me to just stop trying because it's not going to work. Even better. So they uh, sophists were regularly identified with by their special clothing. They were the they wore the finest linens and all that. So, you know, I, I wear some sick threads. Just saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing. Sick threads. What sick threads. 
<laughs> oh man. As you're in your sweatpants and thunder t-shirt, you're wearing some sick threads. <laughs> yes. I'm actually surprised you're not in a tank top today. <laughs> Show your mouth. It is cold outside. But it's not cold at your office. Okay, in a tank top, I look like a a junior high kid. <laughs> My arms aren't that a big. Fat junior <laughs> high fat kid. Junior high kid with boobs, and I'm so terrible. I seriously. But I don't say I don't say I have sick threads. <laughs> hey, oh these are Nikes. They're still sweatpants. Exactly. Nikes from Walmart? <laughs> no, actually, um, they were a gift. So I don't know where they came from. <laughs> Does Walmart even sell Nike? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't think they do. That oh. would compete with their brand too much. <laughs> All right, now Dusty has that laughing spell out. We can go on with the show. So what was your worst sermon, Dusty? All of them. The, the worst sermon I gave? Yes. I don't know. There's just so many that I felt so unprepared for. That, you know, like my thought, I follow um, Seth Godin um, a lot. He's kind of like a marketing kind of guy, ask questions kind of guy. And uh, he talks about like with our school system and, you know, just what's wrong with it. It's built for the... It's built for the wrong time period. It's built for the industrial time period where people just like grow up learning to follow commands and never to go outside of those commands and create something awesome. You know, they're so then once they get into school and college, they can go into a job and do exactly what they're told. They're not in in the problem with the school system as he was saying was and I'm probably butchering it I'm gonna probably get a nasty email from him, which would be awesome because then he was like, Oh, he listened. But what he what he's saying is that teachers spend what, eight classes a day just taking most of the time in their class to to teach a lesson, the same lesson eight times a day. What if they were able to have somebody give that lesson a great gifting communicator even on a video or whatever give a lesson and the teacher has 30 45 minutes in their class to help them understand what they're learning instead of all right go home and go home and remember this because you can't mold everybody together i i don't agree with him at all on that um well, you've talked about this before, and I've yes. researched it. So and that's why I ah, let this. me talk. No, you took a Stop breath. Stop master debating. You me. took a breath and gave me time to jump in. Okay. Well, now you are gone. So I was thinking, what if I showed like I? What if I just showed a video of a preacher giving a sermon about the topic that I'm giving, and can do it awesomely and not suckily like I was doing. You make up the weirdest <laughs> words. And what if then I can have maybe the time to kind of wrap it up and kind of dumb it down to the level of maybe we're at at our church or in our lives. And uh, instead of just trying to give a sermon, and that's basically what I was trying to do, but failing, I feel really badly at it. I was trying to take a sermon that I would really impacted me, dumb it down. To their level, when I didn't really need to dumb it down, but help them maybe apply it more instead of give it to them. All right, see you next week. Right. 
don't okay. know. And maybe if you listen to the Seth Godin thing and not just me trying to explain it, would help you better on our school system. Talk. Stuff. I don't think you can use a, a video to teach somebody because kids are going to ask questions while the teacher's teaching because they're not going to understand it and they're going to need better questions. Okay, well, here's the thing. Like, most of the time, though, when a preacher's preaching or a teacher's teaching, you hold your questions to the end. I've never held a question until the end when the teacher is teaching. Yeah. Because a teacher How did always your teachers had, love that? They always have open dialogue. Cause of, Where you're at? Everywhere. Even, at, not even when we went to high school, you could ask teachers anything. While well, they most were, of the time I was asking, like, tell me a hunting story. So then he would forget that we had a test today. And it worked like 30% of the time. No, I'd say it worked 90% of the time. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. Because he just didn't want to give tests. Yeah, he didn't like He was a great teacher. No, I didn't learn actually, anything. Actually, he, he was a horrible teacher. He was a great person. I was a great teacher. I just didn't learn anything. He never wanted to teach. So teaching aspect, no, he was I don't agree. Anyways, I won't debate that topic. Because I love him. He was a great man. Yeah. He was one of my favorite teachers because I hated doing homework and all that, and so he didn't assign much. Well, obviously, that's not a so he didn't assign much. But he didn't assign much. That's why I liked him so much. However, one of my favorite teachers was our algebra, one of our algebra teachers. Oh, gosh. I didn't learn anything in that class either. You had... Mr. Jones? Oh, you had him. No. Mr. Jones! The other one. I don't know the other one. Miller. See, okay. I had Mr. Miller in Algebra 2, and he was so mad at everybody, because everybody in my class was from Algebra 1, Mr. Jones' class, and so we didn't know didn't anything. Learn nothing. So he was so ticked off at us every day. Right. I had Woods for Al- Algebra 1. Okay, quick story. In Algebra 1, I had this teacher who was a retired military guy, just wanted to teach. He actually told us to invest, to smoke up because he had investments in cigarettes. And so he basically no spent lie. most That's of his... No he said. He basically spent most of his days, uh, we played chess and checkers. Talking about his Thunderbirds. Talking about his Thunderbirds. He would always be like, hey, I'm going to go uh, back here, check my stock, see how good you guys are smoking up. Uh, if you need any of the answers are in this book up here, feel free. And so, obviously, we get that answers. Somehow, I still was failing by the end of the year. And so, he was like, hey, here's the gray book up here. I'm going to go check all my stocks, maybe play some checkers if anybody wants to play. Uh, Take a look at your grade. If you feel like there's something I missed, just uh, go ahead and change it. And this kid, Scott Hicks, was like a – shout out to Scott Hicks. He was was up there, and he said, hey, Dusty, you got an F. Do you want an A? And I was like, ah, give me a C (laughs) minus just to be realistic. And so I passed Algebra 1 because Scott Hicks changed my grade. Man. <laughs> so no wonder I knew Algebra – didn't know anything in Algebra 2. Dang. See, you could have done my route. Here's my route, Dusty. Here's how stupid I was in high school. I just knew that you needed, uh, I don't know, three and a half credits or three credits of math. I would just say three because I didn't have to take it in my senior year. So what I did is I took Algebra 1. The next year, I was like, I don't want to take Algebra 2. So I took Pre-Algebra. <laughs> the next year, I took Basic Math. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I could have – what's really funny is, okay, I barely passed Algebra 1. Right. In Geometry, you actually graded your own homework assignments. And right. so I had like 100% or 
really trying to make it realistic, 90% on my homework. But I failed every test, and my algebra teacher was like, I don't understand why you're failing your test. You're doing great on your homework assignments. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have a clue either. Anyway, so of all this stuff, and it's not just math class. It's like every class. I'm a really dumb guy here, but I could have graduated a semester early in high school. <laughs> but I had a girlfriend, so I didn't. Again, dumb guy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, uh, yeah, our high school was just a joke. It really was. But again... Miller was one of my favorites because he actually cared. He did care. And uh, he assigned homework. I hated it. I always did it. Didn't do well on it. But And his tests were hard. At that point, they were hard. I've taken some tests since then. Oh, my goodness, would make his test cry. Matter of fact, the test I took last week would make his test cry. Well, you're in college and not a freshman in high school. This is true. Anyway, so that's our uh, high school career. Hound dogs. Whoop, whoop. Oh, one of the things uh, that stood out to me in a book, Andrew, can I just talk about this? Yeah. I have no idea where we're at right now. Yeah. So, uh, page 99, um, it's just talking about different um, things that the sermon does, and kind of in a negative site. Uh, it says, today's sermon is often impractical. Countless preachers speak as experts on that which they have never experienced. And I was just kind of thinking through that. Ooh. And uh, it's like, you know, that's true. You know, like... I, I think with the idea of the early church is that somebody that struggles with suicide, they can give a testimony on their struggle of suicide and what's bringing them through. But if somebody who's never struggled with suicide tries to tell somebody who's suicidal that it's going to be okay, you kind of take that like, whatever, bro. Kind of like a slap in the face. Right. And so I'm thinking like in today's world, you have um, homosexuality is a big thing in today's world. Right. And we have countless preachers who have probably, at least publicly, never admitted that they struggle with homosexuality. I like how you put that, at least publicly. <laughs> <laughs> and so so because they don't have a public struggle of that, they, if you struggle with that, you're not really going to listen to it. And I don't blame you for not listening to somebody who's trying to tell you how it is, and yet they have no idea the feelings that you're going through, the pressure that you're going through, all that stuff. And it's kind of like people that buy, try to buy T-shirts from me at our T-shirt shop. Like, ever if you, it just drives me crazy. People that buy T-shirts all the time, they think they know. Like, hey, we just need twenty T-shirts. That should take no time. No, that takes a lot of time. <laughs> you know, you don't know what I actually have to do on the the back end of it. You just say, hey, I want shirts now. Can I have them tomorrow? And it just drives me crazy. People that feel like, and they they think that they know everything when they actually have no idea how to do anything. And I think that's the same thing that kind of happens on the, in the pulpit is preachers that because they've read a couple things online and maybe read a book about something, they are now an expert in that idea or that area or topic that they're talking about. And I guess that kind of drives me crazy because now we have to take their word as written in stone. And yet we might have a preacher over here that says something exactly the opposite of it. They might even be in the same church, and they disagree on the topic. But since this guy did it from this stage, he's the one we're going to listen to. Right. So I think that's, that's one thing about the sermon I, that kind of stood out to me when this book was talking about. It. Like, man, I see that a lot, you know. I like that because I'd also – I mean that hits home with a few topics, that, you know, like drinking. Right. Yeah. I go to Celebrate Recovery, which is a 
uh, like a tw- Christian 12 step group um, for like just people recovering from whatever, which if you were really honest with yourself, we're all struggling with something and we're right. all recovering from something. So, um, and that's the thing. They have a testimony night every, once, once or twice a month, I think it's twice a month that they'll have somebody give a testimony of their struggle with porn or their struggle with drugs or their struggle with alcohol or anger or codependency. And in those moments, you can kind of relate to that person and you can say, hey, that guy or girl is getting through this situation. I'm struggling with this situation. Maybe it is possible, you know? And so, but if you just get somebody teaching the 12 principles of how to get out of a, you know, get out of a a codependent relationship, you're not going to really like, you're going to think, yeah, that's, those are right. But you're not really going to like totally buy into it. Apply it. Yeah. Apply it. Because you're, because you're, because your first thing is like, they have no idea what I'm going through. That's kind of like in the, in movies, you know, seeing that I was in the military, I know, you know, quite a bit about uniforms and all that. And so every movie that has anybody in uniform, I'm always looking for the things to pull out and pick apart. And I'm like, whatever, this is so unrealistic. Oh, that is not a general I, tag. <laughs> I know that M16 does not shoot two miles. Right. Yeah. Effectively. And so, I'm, I mean, yeah, I may get hit with a bullet from an M16 two miles away, but it's going to bounce off me. It's not going to blow my head off. <laughs> so I understand what you're talking about. But I just had to you know, dumb it down, what you said. Put it in my layman terms. Mm-hmm. One of the other things it said, um, actually on page 98, I kind of skipped ahead, but um, the the sermon creates an excessive and pathological dependency on the clergy. So when, you're, when your pastor is the main speaker, you know, above 50% of the time, which most of them are about 95% of the time, that... Anytime we have an issue or anytime we're going through something, he's the one who gets the call, who gets the call. He's the one who, because that person, obviously they know a lot, you know? Right. And so they're the, uh, religious specialists is what they call it. And so, and everybody else who has the same access to God, the same, um, everybody else is treated like a kind of a second class Christian. You know, I agree. And yep. That's kind of yeah. I never, never thought of it that way. That having a preacher, pastor, clergy member preaching a sermon every day just makes them the spotlight of all religious knowledge, <laughs> in a sense. Now, see, I don't call necessarily call my pastor for religious reasons, but you know, when I do have problems going on, he is usually one of my first calls. Uh, but that's mainly because, one, I've known him for so long, um, and my wife has known him for so long, so we both trust him. But usually if it's a religious issue, I'm calling my mom. Your mom? Or my dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But it could not necessarily be a religious issue, but it could be something. A social issue. Really what you also just uh, described is uh, the pastor forms a codependent relationship. Yeah. Or actually the, the people in the audience, it forms a codependent 
relationship. Mm-hmm. So maybe so really we all need celebrate recovery because <laughs> we're all codependent on our on pastor. pastor. Right. <laughs> and there's there is some truth to that. There is a truth to the fact that um you know being able just to listen to a sermon, you know, cuz if you're sleeping with your girlfriend, you just know that if they're talking about a sermon on series on relationships, you probably should just skip that one, you know, and then you won't right. get and I remember as a as a you know associate youth pastor that I like I feel like I'm name dropping when I say associate youth pastor but whatever um, but I remember I would have to go away like once or twice a year and plan a semester's worth of sermon topics you know and that was kind of the so I you know when you're in a more of a progressive church that has video illustrations and stuff and logos and all this stuff well that takes time so you got to be way ahead of schedule so that your people can get stuff designed for you. And so I remember having to do that, like plan out a, you know, plan out a good three, three to five months worth of sermon, at least topics. So it's kind of like, are you really hearing, you know, we're, we're kind of designing it as we want to get them from point A to point B. And so these are the sermons that are going to get us here, but we're not really relying on the Holy spirit to, Obviously, he can interrupt us if we wanted him to, but how often does that happen? Not very. Yeah, realistically, not much. But now, unrealistically, we say it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. I do want to say one thing. I was challenged to uh, read Acts um, chapter 2 because we talked about a couple episodes ago, we talked about the uh, church building and how in the new Testament, they didn't meet in the temple. Right. And then they met in homes. And so I kind of want to read this, um, cause it did make me think, and I did have to kind of go around, uh, and look different, look at different verses, reference verses and stuff. So I didn't like di- dive into it like crazily, but like I crazily, <laughs> another word. Dusty-ism. I should start trademarking these things. Um, I didn't I didn't like uh, dive into it like super deep, but I did look up the reference verses to kind of maybe see an idea what it's talking about. But it okay, so it goes um, Acts chapter two, um, verse. Uh, let's see. Verse. Uh, we'll start at verse forty-four. So all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave. To give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. So they took that verse and basically saying, see, they did meet in the temple. In the courts of the temple. Well, and that's, so I was just looking up, um, the different reference verses to what that meant. And what what it seems to me is it wasn't a structured, like there's times where Paul went to the temple because that was the time of prayer. Right. But he went there not invited to publicly speak. <laughs> like the priests were mad at Paul, like when he was there preaching. And so what it seems to me was that was just a central place that they could meet. It wasn't like, hey, we need to meet in this temple. It was like, hey, we're meeting in the temple. We're going to tell other people about Christ. And the temple courts is even outside the temple. 
it's it's not like the main service that's going on or whatever. Right. And actually, I took a class, a humanities history class, that actually really touched this over the summer. Uh, and I learned a lot from it. So you're an expert now. <laughs> yeah, subject matter expert right here going on. All right, so when it refers to the temple courts, well, first, when it refers to the temples, it's not referring to a building. It's actually a compound. These temples were surrounded by other buildings and courtyards, and some had marketplaces attached to them. So it's really this big, huge compound that had like eight to 10 to 12 different buildings in it. And the center piece was this big, huge temple. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I've figured out. And so when you read it and it said temple courts, they could have been out the marketplace in within the temple uh, compound. Right. I mean, they could have been anywhere and what they could have been in one of those other eight to 10 buildings. So yeah, I don't, again, I don't believe that they, Met well, actually, I know they didn't meet in a temple for a structured sermon. They wouldn't meet there for prayer and all that, but I don't think it was for a, a temple or a, like a structured sermon. Actual verse, but it in Acts it also talked about when Paul was going to the temple because it was the time of prayer, and when he was in there, he was he began teaching and preaching, and the priests actually got mad. Right at him, and we're trying to get him in the jail, and Paul slid by, disappeared. And so, to me, that was just kind of like that was a reference to kind of that verse. And so, that, to me, that kind of assumed that they weren't necessarily there as an obligation of this is where they need to worship, but more that they were there because this is where people who are being lied to are. This is where the people are that need to. They're being led astray. They need to hear Jesus and. You're going to find these people here at this time every day to pray. And so to me, that's what I kind of got out of it was they still they they went to the temple, but it wasn't because they needed to go to the temple to hear the word of God. They, they went to the temple because people were there were lost. Were these, you know, um, Protestant temples or Christian temples? No, they were. The, like Catholic temples, like Judaism, right? Okay, Judaism. Yeah, I mean, it's just like right after Jesus had had left, and so I mean, they're basically reading the scriptures of the Old Testament there, and they're there saying, "No, Jesus came; he fulfilled these prophecies." I was trying to figure it out because if they were being chased out by a priest, what was that priest there to do? But then we also did find out earlier in the book, or I think even in that same chapter, that you know other religions did meet at their temples. Mm-hmm. Like well, I think there was in Judaism, there's still a priest right. there that would read the scrolls and and uh, interpret them, interpret them, things like that. But um, I think the point of the book was trying to get was that once Jesus came. He was the priest. He was the temple. We are now the, the the priest and the temple. And so we have access to God. We don't need a temple to get access to God. Right. And we don't need a priest to pray for us or to help us. Or to you know, bless us. To bless us. We, we have that access to God, that relationship with God. And so 
the idea is we don't need that. And, and I don't think most churches say that we need that even now. Like, I don't think we'd go to our church and our pastor's going to say, you need me to help you with your relationship with God. But I think it's structured that way, that most churches are structured that way, that we, we, we feel like we need them. You know, we feel like we don't have the answers, but they do. So let's, what, what do they say about a topic? You know, right. What does this book say? What does this preacher say? But what we end up finding is all these preachers that are led by the spirit have completely different viewpoints on things. And so how much of it is led by the spirit and how much of it is personal preference? I don't know. Just things that make you go, hmm. Right. Really make you think. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Join us next week. Uh, We will be going over the pastor. Pastor. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. You can hit subscribe if you haven't already. And we don't have any reviews yet, so hit that review button. Write a couple nice reviews. Five stars preferred. And be our best friends. That's what you get for that. Also, check out our friends over at the Real Life Podcast. But if you want more conversations like the ones that we're having here, they're a great podcast to go to for that. Right, and if you'd like to this style, opposed to how we normally do it, let us know. Let us know. We're always changing. Try and figure out what is going to work for us and what doesn't. But have a great week, guys. Bible Belt.